I like incorporating food in some capacity to all of my stories, whether it be cooking or or just the enjoyment of things that taste really good. I'm always thinking about what are my characters eating? Join me as we skip to the end of a book. Not the ending of the story, but further in the back. Almost by the back cover. The Acknowledgements. I've always been fascinated by the acknowledgements and find myself asking questions I wish I had the answers to. Are the people they thanked still in their lives? Do they regret not including someone? What's the meaning behind this inside joke or story? Well, now I finally get the answers to my questions. In this podcast, I'll talk to the authors and explore the acknowledgements. So flip to the back of the book with me and let's start there. I am happy today to be chatting with Jen Bouchard. Hi, Jen. Hi, Nathan. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to talk with you as I just finished your book, First Course, yesterday, even though I started it the day before. So it is fresh in my mind. Thank you. And yeah. I would just love to talk about the book and about you as a person and a writer and have a whole bunch of questions for you. That's great. But what I'd love to start with is if you'd be able to give a premise of the book, First Course. Sounds good. It really centers around Janie Whitman. She's 24 years old. She's uh, living her best life in Chicago. Her dream has been to be a journalist. She went to Northwestern, to the Medill School. She is working for a magazine, one of these kind of free print publications that you find at doctor's offices and, and dentist offices and things like that. So they're, they rely heavily on advertising and it's a tough business. And she is secretly dating her boss the editor at the, the editor-in-chief of, of the uh, magazine. And this has been going on for close to a year now, and very few people know about it. But his name is Cole Emerson, and he gets word while they're at work that it's folding. The, the magazine's over. He brings everybody together and tells them it's done. And it leaves their situation in a very strange place. And he's got tons of money. His mother's a one-hit wonder with an 80s song called Hot Pink Love. Um, and she's out in Southern California. And he just he decides, I'm going home to mommy. And leaves, leaves Janie to figure things out at a very young age. And at the same, and then very quickly thereafter, discovers all these really horrible things that have happened. Her family, her her parents have died in a small plane crash. Her father was a pilot and her sister, her older sister, Alyssa, finds out that her husband has been very openly cheating on her. And so all of these events happened to bring the two sisters and Alyssa's two little girls to the family's summer house in Cape Elizabeth, Maine, which is just outside of Portland for people who are familiar with Maine. And when they're there, they've got to figure out what next, what's the second act of life look like for them. Thank you. That is, that's perfect. I have a whole bunch of questions for you. First, before I, I, as I was browsing your website, even, I was going to mention some of the acclaim you've gotten for first, first course, but there's so many that I can't even go through all of them. But one of them is as a finalist in the women's fiction category of the 2021 American Fiction Awards. 
How did it feel as when the book came out and you're starting to receive all this recognition for it? It was really surprising. And it was also really affirming in a lot of ways because writing is tough and you get a lot of rejections along the way. And just what you write isn't going to be everybody's cup of tea. And you, you know that it still can be really tough at times, but the awards definitely, I think, encouraged me to keep going that I was on to something. So it's been a nice thing. Now, you were a, a writer even before you wrote this book. It looked like you had written articles and such. Is that right? It was interesting. I actually wrote this book a while ago, and it took me two and a half years to write a first draft. I was writing it when my kids are now 12 and a half and 16 and a half, and I started writing this when they were little. It was a while ago. It took me forever. We were in a very, every stage of life is, is busy, but it was particularly a busy stage of life, and I had no idea what I was doing. It took a while, and then once I was done with it, and I was trying to figure out what to do with it, I didn't really have a great idea for another book. And so I started writing some short stories because and short stories are fun because you can just have a premise and it can be fairly limited. You can have just maybe a couple of characters if you want, and you can knock out a draft of that in a day. And so it's very satisfying in a way. And of course, then you got to make it better, but it's very satisfying. And I think it was helping me for a while to just keep writing I would love to do, I would love to write some short stories again, but I just don't have a great idea at the moment. So maybe someday, but they're very satisfied. I love that. It's like a, a, a nugget you can get yeah. out and, and get that creativity yeah. out there, right? Because you actually say in your acknowledgements, you started off by saying writing a debut novel is a big leap of faith. And what did that leap of faith look like for you? So I had just finished a major volunteer role. I was the president of my co the college I had gone to, Bates College in Maine. I'd I had been the president of the Alumni Association for two years. And it was a role I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I met, I really enjoy meeting people and connecting with their stories. And long before I even thought about writing novels, that's just always been who I am. And I was a Navy brat. I moved every two years growing up. So I've just met so many people in my life. And so I loved that role because I got to meet people from all different generations and hear about their experiences at the same school that I had been to. So when that was over, it just abruptly ends. And it's like, you're just, it's done. And you've got this big kind of hole in your life. And like I said, even though I was so busy, I'm a full-time teacher as well. And, but I knew I was like, I, I got to do something. There's got to be something else that I do. And I didn't know what that was. And there was something about doing something creative, like making something, creating something that was interesting to me, but I am not crafty. I am not artistic. And I was like, what's this even look like? And then one day we're at the beach at the end of the summer. And I said to my husband, I think I want to write a novel. And he's like, all right figure that out. What, what's that look like for you? One of the things that I did that was super helpful for me too, was I started going to a lot of author events. And the nice thing about being in the Boston area is a lot of authors do come through town. And that has been by far one of the most inspirational things that I have done is go and you know, listen to other authors, hear what they have to say, hear about their experiences, their journeys that are all going to be really different. But at some point, somebody, somebody rejected them. Even some of the most successful authors have dealt with tons and tons of rejection and setbacks. It's been helpful to hear all their stories for sure. It's interesting. That's one of the things as I talk to so many authors that we end up discussing is about this rejection and resilience actually yeah. to come back. And the number of years that you as authors are spending 
to keep it going and never giving up on it is really amazing of going in that those back and forth dealing with imposter syndrome and all those other feelings and emotions. So that's been a big inspiration for me as well. And so you mentioned your volunteer work with Bates and the whole college alumni aspect is a big part of this book. And so I was, when I saw that about you, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's the connection there and the inspiration between including. It is. Okay. So then the other question I have is basically during this entire book, I was hungry because (laughs) Janie's a cook and she's talking about all these amazing things that she makes and still would like a homemade donut. So is, is that also something personal to you, this love of cooking? It is. I do a cook. I do cook a lot. My My kids are both athletes and they eat a lot. And my son has these soccer team dinners. And so every week I'm thinking, okay, which dessert am I going to send along this time? I'm going to make these really good apple pie bars for Sunday. So I'm excited to make those. They're really fun. So yeah, I really, I think that's my thing. I like incorporating food in some capacity to all of my stories, whether it be cooking or or just the enjoyment of things that taste really good. I'm always thinking about what are my characters eating? And that I I center a lot of my writing around that. Okay. So that's the way you were describing even the food and the aspect of cooking. I thought, right. I was like, Jen must be a a place of joy. I could tell in the writing. My friend, Stephanie, who she's, she reads all my writing. She's the first, my first line of, of, of editing. And she said to me one time years ago, we've been friends since we were 16. And she's, you have different way of approaching and appreciating food than anyone I've ever met. And so I think that is part of it. Like I I don't eat large, I can't eat large quantities, but I enjoy just like small tastes of things that are really delicious and also trying to create some of those things myself. I certainly went to the back of the book looking for recipes. So I don't know. Go on my website, click on the recipe tab and you'll get some of the recipes associated with the book. Amazing. So I have to put that in the show notes and then I have to look at it myself. And so I'm so glad you mentioned Stephanie because Stephanie is in your acknowledgement and you say she's the first person to read anything I write. And I am beyond grateful for her discerning edits and friendship since we were in high school. Thank you for your support. So tell me more about your relationship with Stephanie. So we were both Navy brats. And so we only overlapped for one year of high school. It was my junior year of high school, which is funny because my son is a junior now. And so it was my favorite year of high school. And I'm seeing everything through through his eyes now, which is fun. And she had just moved to Washington State. We were living on the other side of Puget Sound from Seattle. And she had just moved there. And I had been there for a year and I was going to leave in a year. And we were in a number of classes together. And I was in this group of students that were in most of the same classes. And and we also were involved with a lot of the same activities. We were in a couple of plays together and we just kept in touch. And then she eventually... When I was living in here in Boston, the first time I'd gone to grad school at Tufts, and then she came to Boston to go to grad school at Harvard, and we overlapped then and just kept in touch over the years. And I moved back to Boston over 10 years ago, and she's still here. So we, we talk all the time. We have coffee. We have wine. She's a good friend to have, for sure. And it's nice because she is an English teacher. I'm a history teacher. She's an English teacher. We're not at the same school. And she is not a writer, but she is a voracious reader. And so she has an eye for things 
that I miss. I love that. I love that you were thinking a friend that you've had since high school because I had seen that you moved around a lot. I, I wonder in a way if that makes us, I moved around a lot too. I wonder if it makes us appreciate relationships and friendships in a different way. I think so. Yeah, I think so. That was a big criteria for me for college. I really wanted to go to a small school where I was going to get to know, get to know more people and perhaps not feel super lost. And that's definitely what I found at Bates. It was, I have such good friends, especially from my freshman year of college, the people I lived in my dorm with, we're all still really close. And when we see each other, it's just, it's so nostalgic. We're actually, I'm on a small committee planning our our 25th reunion right now. And the people, two people I'm working with, I lived in the same dorm with them. So so I think I do appreciate those friendships. Sometimes I feel these days, I mean, with with everything that I'm doing between teaching and with my own kids and in writing, sometimes I don't feel like I'm the world's greatest friend these days, but I tell them I'll be back (laughs) in a few years. I'll probably have a little bit more time then. There you go. I I guess part of friendships and relationships is going along for those rides with each other, right? Um, for sure. And so you think your Bates Thursday night crew, who's yes. the Thursday night crew? So this started during COVID and when people were hanging out on Zoom a lot. And it's interesting. These are friends I made from that volunteer work on the Alumni Association. And I would not Two of them I knew a little bit from my time at school and the, the rest of them I, I met as a volunteer and we but and we were we represent an age range, I think we're I think maybe 13, 14 years apart, the whole age range. Mm-hmm. And we just started zooming every Thursday night. And it was a really fun way to stay in touch. And when first course launched, they came to my little book party we had in my backyard and they're just a really supportive, awesome group. Love that. That's fantastic. And I love that you gave them a a shout out in the acknowledgements as well. So go like talking about the actual book. So when I was telling a friend about it, I was like, she was like, what was it about? I was like, it's a rom-com, love rom-coms. And, but what I told her, I was like, I think it is the least stressful book I have read in so long. It was just sweet and romantic and joyful. And I didn't realize how much I needed that in a book after reading some hard topics, but it felt so nice and light and just a, like just a fun book to read. So I was wondering, is this your preferred genre of when you're picking up a book? It is. This is what I gravitate towards now. I I just read Meredith Shore's new book, Someone Just Like You, which I highly recommend to anyone who's looking for something similar to what you're talking about. It was just enjoyable. It was just so much fun to read and you can just be happy while you're reading it and be entertained and enjoy the romance and get some good laughs out of it. And I just got Sarah Goodman Confino is another one of my favorites. And I just got her new book. Don't forget to write. So I'm going to dive into that next. But I just I, I think I'm just at a place where I I enjoy being entertained and, and smiling while I read. That is totally right. I was definitely smiling on my commute in on the train. And so much of my smiling was just this adorable banter between Janie and her love interest 
And even something like when they were like, they got into separate cars and they talked on the phone the whole way there. And it just brought me back. I remember doing that with the guy that I met after college and we would just hours and hours on the phone. And now I'm like, what did we talk about? But it just brought back like those butterflies and all of that. So it was so lovely to, to read so much fun. So I felt like really talked about some relationships and the depth of relationships. And one was Janie and her sister, Alyssa. That was a really interesting connection and relationship to look at. And I love what you say in your acknowledgments. You say, I wrote a book about sisters and complicated relationships, but luckily my own sister is amazing. So now it sounds like you didn't necessarily have that complex relationship with your sister. So where did some of the inspiration for that relationship and others come from? I think I just, I really was thinking a lot about human interaction and and what that looks like and what makes things good and what makes things challenging. And I really wanted, I wanted Alyssa, Janie evolves, but I really wanted Alyssa to evolve in the book. And so that was, that was really fun. And I wanted to give her the space to do that and for Janie to get to a point where she realized that Alyssa was going to be okay. Yeah, and it was interesting reading about Alyssa's story as a mom as well, and you being a mom. And one of the parts where I was like, oh, it was so meaningful towards the end of the book, but Alyssa saying, just talking about the challenge and complexity of having children and trying to have a relationship with your partner. And she, she says, you don't sleep much. You get wrapped up in taking care of them can't really have a meaningful or even coherent conversation. They were so young when they met and got married. And so I I appreciated seeing that side of things as well, of kind of this mother and some of the challenges that went along with it and her two daughters being characters in the book as well. That was, that, those were some great conversations and relationships as well. Thank you. And so that was definitely one of my favorite parts. And I'd love to hear if you would read one of your favorite pages, passages, paragraphs. I'd love that. So this is actually, speaking of Janie and Alyssa, this is a little bit between them. And it is, I've read a lot of sections. I don't think I've ever read this one in this kind of setting before, but all of a sudden I was like, I think I want to do this one. Do you mind if I have one swear word? Okay. I do not mind. Always edit it out if you want. <laughs> All, right. All right. So this is, this is the beginning of chapter six called Hammocks. Rocky liked bourbon. So had Mike Whitman. So there was plenty of it in my parents' liquor cabinet. I left Rocky on the back patio with the materials to try to light the fire pit so that I could fetch the drinks and some snacks. Thinking of what would go best was straight bourbon in a glass with a big ice cube. I grabbed the salt and vinegar chips that Alyssa had previously rejected and put everything on a large tray and started walking towards the door when Alyssa walked into the room and scared the shit out of me. What are you doing? She asked, tired and confused. To her credit, it must have looked really strange. I'd barely left the house in weeks and now I was walking outside at almost 11 o'clock at night with a bottle of bourbon and potato chips. I also noticed that Alyssa was missing about seven inches off the bottom of her hair. That guy who I worked at the college fair with, the one Lance told us about, Rocky, he's outside right now. What happened to your hair? Alyssa gave a wry smile. I guess he's not the complete, I'm going to skip that, that Lance described him as then. (laughs) And nothing happened to my hair. I needed a change. Doug really likes it. I'm guessing you don't. Defensive. 
almost combative, easy sister. I proceeded carefully. No, that's not what I meant at all. It looks good. I just haven't seen you with hair above your shoulders since you were maybe 10 and you got that bob cut so that mom wouldn't insist on putting your hair in a ponytail in the summer anymore. I just wasn't expecting to see this. What did the girls say? I need to get back outside before he runs away. We can't have that, she replied. Susie cried when I picked her up at camp and said, you don't look like mommy. That was great. Trish said it was beautiful and that I looked like a mom character on one of her TV shows. I know who she's talking about and I'm trying not to take it personally. I'll go with the split decision. She took one chip out of the bowl and ate it and her face showed the joy of having just enjoyed some kind of forbidden fruit. I wish she'd lighten up a bit. Okay, have fun, little sister. Just don't get too carried away. You've got two nieces who can look out their windows and see whatever it is you're doing down there. I felt my face get flushed. Says the woman who is convorting with the 46-year-old in the afternoons while her daughters make creations out of pipe cleaners at camp. Alyssa's smile went away. Not con No convorting. Not yet. Just talking. Now get out of here and get to know this guy so that you can eventually convert with him, but not in our backyard. I'm going to bed. She opened the back door for me so that I could get everything outside easily, gave Rocky a small wave, and headed upstairs. Tell me why you picked that part. I just... I was thinking it was funny. Like I was thinking about this earlier. I'm like, what do I want to read? And I'm like, I just liked, I think it showed a lot about their interplay and their relationship. And it's, and Alyssa is six years older than Janie, but at times it seems like Janie is the older one, the caretaker. And Alyssa is going through a little bit of a wild streak at this part of the book. So I thought that I want, I wanted to highlight that. Yeah, and I love that part too. It's such a great way to show their banter with each other. And it, it's so sweet. And also, once you have the combination of bourbon and salt and vinegar potato chips, you, you won me over. <laughs> it's a great combination. So good. One of the other things along with kind of some of those college connections and the food, another thing I noticed was music. And I believe in the beginning, it was Billy Joel, right? That Cole, the, the boyfriend, was into. And then it's Ben Folds. And then there's Jimmy Buffett. So tell me how music played into this. It's funny. I, I go through these stages when I'm writing a book and I ended up listening like almost exclusively to Ben Folds while I was writing this book. And it was really when I discovered him. And now I'm a huge fan and we try to go see him when he's in town. And so I really, I think a lot about, not only do I think about people in terms of what they like to eat, but I think about them in terms of what kind of music they like. And I think about different people I've known at different stages of my life and music that they've introduced me to. And it, it's a huge part of who they are. And so I wanted to have that connection. And with Cole is such a weird character in so many ways. He's not, this, it doesn't make any sense that he'd be way into Billy Joel, but he is. And so it, it just, I like the depth of that about people. Sometimes you meet someone and you find out something about them and you're like, really? That's really crack with you, but it, it's who we are. And the, Billy, the, the Jimmy Buffett thing, especially with the last couple of weeks since he's been gone, I've been thinking about it a lot and, and how it related to first course. And excuse me, and Jimmy, Jimmy Buffett was someone I, I listened to quite a bit growing up. I, w I spent a lot of time in South Florida, both as a kid, my, my aunt lived there and I worked in Florida one summer in college and it just was part of my life. And so I loved the idea of their parents being parrot heads. And I just, that was part of their personality and the way the kids had grown up. So it was fun to write about. Yeah. And I, I, as I got to that part, I was also thinking how very timely as well. 
So that was definitely an, that was a fun part throughout the book, though, is like going through these different genres of music as well. So I see on your website that you have another book that's going to come out. It's called Palms on the Cape, and it is set on Cape Cod. It's about a woman on the verge of turning 40, and she owns a beach, upscale beach bar. Here's the food again. Upscale beach bar in Dennis, Massachusetts, um, near Mayflower Beach, which is my favorite beach in Cape Cod. And everything's going along great. She might be in love with her male best friend, but she won't admit that to herself. But her life is good. She's got this great group of friends, a chosen family. And one day this group comes into the beach bar and everything changes. So it was so much fun to write. I had the biggest smile on my face the whole time I wrote that book. So I hope that everyone gets to read it soon. What made it so fun to write? I think that I love Maine and Cape Elizabeth was great to write from, but there is something for me about Mayflower Beach. And I did get to spend some time there while I was writing it and just really immerse myself in being there. And I really thought about just what it would be like for the characters to walk on the beach where I was walking. And I don't know, there was just something about setting it there. I think the characters I developed, I just, I I fell in love with them. And even the secondary characters, they were a blast. And there was just something, something about the story for me that it's a little bit of a cross between Gilmore Girls and When Harry Met Sally. There's strong elements of, of both. And those are both things that are near and dear to me. So I also really enjoyed that part of it. I invented characters I would really like to hang out with. Oh, I love that. And I think you had me at Gilmore Girls and When Harry Met Sally. That's fantastic. I love it. And so you're a high school social studies teacher, am, correct? Yeah. Okay. Do your students know that you are a published author? They, they do. I say it more off the cuff at the beginning of the year. I think for the most part, most of them know at this point. When I first started writing, I kept it super quiet until right before my book, right before first course was going to be published. It was the end of the school year and this group of girls was getting ready to leave. And they're like, have a great summer. And I was like, by the way, I have a book coming out June 21st. And they were like, oh my goodness. And so they, and they ended up coming to a book event that I had at a nearby bookstore that summer, which was really nice. And I think it's just now that's something people know about. And it's funny, there was one day last year, we were in class and this kid goes, you're, so you're Jen Bouchard from with first course. And I'm like, yeah. And okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. And so it's, there is this association, but it's funny. I always think of myself like Superman, Clark Kent. I've got my Clark Kent day job and I've got this other persona. It's a lot funny with my son, especially being in high school, like all of their moms have read the book in my town. That's a whole nother thing. They (laughs) all know about it. That's pretty funny. That is funny. And it's interesting, right? Like when we have teachers, we're like, this is who they are. They teach. That's it. There's no other part to them. It's funny that there (laughs) obviously is a whole other part to you. When you think of any of those students you have or may have in the future, if any of them were interested in writing, what kind of advice would you give? I've had a few that I've talked to about it. Just students I can tell have a talent, have an interest. I'm like, try to write, like I said earlier, try to write a short story. Just see about if you can write something really short. Don't overwhelm yourself and see what happens. And 
there are places to publish all sorts of things these days. I discovered so many online literary journals that I had no idea existed. I was like, just see, maybe, you never know. You never know what'll happen. And I hope that in time, maybe some of them will decide to go for it. But as I just try, see if you like it. It's, I wish that I had started doing it earlier. I feel now that I'm like, oh, I'm almost like in a race. Like I'm trying to see if I can, write equipment and things like that. And I, I think that the people who started younger, like they're, they have a lot of advantages because they can, there's so much more content they can write so many more stories they can write, but it is what it is. Just keep going. But I would definitely encourage them just try it and see if you like it. And I think that's good advice, right? Whether for a high school student or even a, an adult too, if there's something Absolutely. to just dip your foot in, right? And Why not? And what's the worst, yeah. what's the worst that can happen? And yes. there are so many opportunities now for publication in any style that you want it. There are people who just have really successful substacks and websites and all sorts of things. And there are so many different paths and you find something that is satisfying to you. Thank you, Jen. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. I appreciate your absolutely sweet book. And I'm looking forward to your next book coming out and whatever else you're going to be doing in the future. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for getting curious about The Acknowledgements. And remember to read from cover to cover. Check out The Acknowledgements on Facebook, Instagram, or theacknowledgements.com. There you'll find more information on the books and authors that I talk about here.